Hello and welcome aboard this island nation, the Maritime Program. Tom McSweeney here with the program about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, with increasing public concern about the way in which mobile phones and other modern technology are dominating life, we discuss getting young people away from computer screens and into sport. And with the boating season getting underway, the president of the National Sailing Organisation suggests a sport for life. I think like all sports we are under a lot of pressure in sailing from uh, many other sports so um, yes there's pressure we offer a sport that in in a lot of areas is different Uh, it's a sport for life and the lifeboats need your help there are over 1500 volunteer lifeboat crew members in Ireland providing a 24-hour search and rescue service and last year they launched 900 and 95 times in Ireland, bringing 1,351 people to safety. The word May Day is a familiar one in the maritime community. This Island Nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme, a reflective radio show about the sea, coming to you from the studios of CRY 104FM in Yall on the East Cork coastline, bringing together through the community radio network the maritime community around Ireland. A particularly important part of this community is the lifeboat service, to whom the word Mayday is the call-out trigger, the emergency shout as the crews describe their response to calls for help. This month, May, gives everyone the opportunity to help this vital voluntary service. There are over 1,500 volunteer lifeboat crew in Ireland and they launched their boats 995 times on rescue call-outs last year and that brought 1,351 people to safety. So you can help them this month, as Neil Stevenson, the RNLI's Public Affairs Manager, now tells us. The word May Day is a familiar one in the maritime community and it's also the name the RNLI gives to its annual fundraising appeal. It started as just one day of fundraising a few years ago, but since then it has grown and it now runs for the entire month of May. For the launch this year, volunteer crew member and well-known comedian PJ Gallagher joined members of Dunleary Ornalai, where he also volunteers, to help well-known fundraiser Mary Nolan Hickey on her way as she cycles around Ireland to raise funds. A veteran marathon runner, Mary ran around the coastline of Ireland last year to raise money for the RNLI. And this time she's on her bike and trying to bring the amount raised to 100,000. To the RNLI, PJ Gallagher is first and foremost a volunteer crew member and a vital member of the station's crew, the same as every other crew member in the RNLI. We are so grateful that he has chosen to speak about being on a lifeboat crew and what it means to him and to bring his own experience to such a wide audience. People who wish to get involved can visit ornli.org forward slash mayday to register for a free mayday pack, donate online or buy a yellow welly pin badge where you see them on sale. And you can also find Mary online by searching for ornli lap of the map too. The campaign is dedicated to fundraising for the new lifeboat kit that the volunteer crew rely on. 
There are over 1,500 volunteer lifeboat crew members in Ireland providing a 24-hour search and rescue service. And last year they launched 995 times in Ireland, bringing 1,351 people to safety. Of that figure, we know that 18 people were lives saved by the direct action of the lifeboat crews. Now, it is with mixed emotions that Wicklow Ornelai said farewell to Annie Blaker, their Tyne-class lifeboat. The station now has a relief Shannon-class lifeboat, the Jock and Annie Slater, which has well and truly got her feet wet after having her first call out. She is faster than the 18-knot Tyne and certainly quieter, but the station were still sad to see Annie go. It marks the end of an era at the station and the slipway launched lifeboat has been the busiest all-weather lifeboat in the history of the station, being involved in 348 shouts and rescuing 408 people. And that is since her arrival all the way back in 1989. Her last call out was to assist two sailors on a yacht with a foul propeller nine miles off the Wicklow coast. It seemed that everyone in Wicklow turned out to say goodbye to her and next door neighbours Dunleary and Arklow made the trip to escort her out of the harbour. And her final act, well, as she left the harbour, the crew turned her back home for one last time to bring her up to the end of the slipway. There she stood for one last time and it won't surprise you to learn that there wasn't a dry eye in the place. There is one person who everyone was thinking of that day and that was Brendan Copeland, the station mechanic. He put it very simply, I never felt scared when we were out on her and she brought us home safe every time. In fact, we grew old together. Neil Stevenson, Public Affairs Manager of the RNLI reporting. And the death has occurred of the RNLI's fleet staff coxswain, Francie Morgan, who first joined the lifeboat service as a shore volunteer in the 70s and was stationed coxswain at Newcastle Lifeboat in County Down for 26 years before becoming fleet coxswain in 2013. He supported crews throughout Ireland and the UK, where he was well known in coastal communities with lifeboat stations. And he will be sadly missed. There is increasing public concern about the way in which mobile phones and other modern communications technology are dominating life. And that's evident to me in conversations with people as I travel around for this programme and was reflected in an Irish Times survey which showed that Irish people are increasingly uneasy about their dependence on such technology. Many respondents saying they want to control it but don't find it possible to switch off their phones. The Minister for Rural and Community Development, Michael ring put it to me in this way communication is very important what's happening with facebook on emails uh, with texts now there's less and less talking there's less and less communication people are not talking to one another anymore and i mean let's go into a restaurant tonight go into the church tomorrow go into any place you want to go everybody is texting and everybody is looking down at the phone and nobody is looking at anybody anymore and i have to say we need to get away from that we want to get children out there. We want to get them away from the Facebook. We want to get them away from the mobile phone. There's a time and a place for that. But what's happening is controlling our lives. It's taking over our lives. And we need it, now need to start saying hello again, start talking to people, and people will respond. 
Minister Michael Ring, whose response has been the staging of National Community Weekend on the Maybank holiday. And following on from that, sport is a major community activity, and May is the month when the boating season gets very active. And the National Sailing Organisation wants to get more young people involved. They are its future foundation. The National Youth Sailing Championships are a pinnacle for young sailors, 200 of whom qualified to race at the event, sailed out of the Royal Cork Yacht Club in Cork Harbour. There I discussed with Jack Roy, President of Irish Sailing, why he wants to get more young people involved in the sport. It's a great sport on on many uh, areas, Tom, and primarily it's a question of getting children out on the water, getting them uh, working together. Uh, and I suppose uh, this National uh, Pathway Championships is uh, a really important event for Irish sailing uh, so that uh, young children can get out and uh, compete in various different classes, um, both in single-handed and in double-handed boats. Um, I personally think that one of the key things out of this event is whilst it, it leads into teams and into squads, um, that's only for a relatively small percentage of the sailors that are here this weekend. Uh, we've uh, well over 100 competitors here and a number of these will go on to teams and squads but uh, it's the other sailors the 80 or 90 percent that it's so important for them to take from this uh, event the fun of sailing and uh, to bring that back to their clubs and uh, to continue sailing uh, from this young age. Are there enough young people of that age group coming into the sport? I think like all sports, we are under a lot of pressure in sailing from uh, many other sports. So, um, yes, there's pressure. Uh, and uh, I think we, we offer a sport that in, in a lot of areas is different. Uh, it's a sport for life. It's a sport that can be either single-handed or multi-crewed boats. Uh, and I think in that way, it's, it's different. But yes, we're under pressure. Let's take two examples. The, the constant criticism about sailing as elitist expensive. Can you discard that one and encourage people who might be listening now who've no experience but who might like their children to become involved to join? I, I think the, the various sailing clubs and yacht clubs around the country have really taken that uh, point on board, Tom, over the last number of years, where, yes, to, to set children up uh, sailing uh, can be an expensive outlay. Um, and I think many clubs around the country are now investing in infrastructure, investing in their own boats, so that parents can bring their children down to their local club and without uh, any massive expenditure, they can get their children on the water by uh, use of club boats Uh, right down to to the sailing clothes and uh, equipment that is needed. And when you talk about equipment, safety is very important. It's quite noticeable here. Every one of those young people has a life jacket of some sort, uh, a buoyancy aid as they might be called in dinghies, but they have safety uppermost in their minds. I I think... uh Apart from the fact that it's the law for to wear um, a buoyancy aid or personal flotation devices, as they're known, uh, for anybody in a boat under seven metre, I think we really have a great uh, awareness of safety on the sea. Uh, and this is very much reflected in any uh, our sailing events or any club events. Uh, nobody goes afloat without some form of a buoyancy aid or a life jacket. As well as sailing... You encourage motorboating, so there are choices if people don't like the idea of just using the wind. Motorboating is there as well. Yes, it is, of course, and and I suppose where that's seen a lot is in uh, the use of uh, ribs for uh, um, around the 
helping with events, but also if you go onto the rivers like the Shannon, there's an awful lot of motorboating specifically on our rivers. And taking it from the younger people coming in at 12, 13, up to teenagers, keeping them in the sport, There, you mentioned a pathway in competition, but outside competitiveness, there is a pathway to bigger boats, crews are always needed, there's a constant need for people to populate the sport. Yeah, there is, and it's really important that we that we keep sailors in the sport after, say, 15, 16. Um, a lot of go on to third-level education, and there's sailing, team racing within that. Our sailing will be announcing in the coming months a new initiative um, in team racing, uh, and it, and in support of that, we're buying some new boats that will be available to clubs to encourage team racing within the clubs, but also team racing inter-club uh, with a view to keeping this core uh, critical area of uh, young adults, 18, 24, and especially after they come out of maybe third level, that we don't lose them to other sports, that we keep them in the sport in their 20s and 30s, which is quite an ask, but it's something we're actively looking at. You know, I, I also um, am lucky enough to, to do cruising, and that's another area of, of our sport that keeps us uh, keeps many other people active in the sport. Uh, and I suppose sport for, for life is, is one of our key, key things about the sport to sailing that we can do is at any age. Jack Roy, President of Irish Sailing, wanting to get more people involved in sport for life. And more information is on the organisation's website, sailing.ie. Now Justin Marr runs up maritime news from at home and abroad. The historic Ketch Island plans to make its way to Greenland this summer as part of its community and schools educational program, Salmon's Wake. It will follow the path of the migratory salmon, which has historically made its way between the Shannon and Greenland's only salmon river, Capisillit. Supported by a broad collaboration of participants that include local schools, artists and craft makers and institutions, Salmon's Wake will see a number of events take place at Limerick Schools, the Island Workshop, Roxburgh and at multiple locations in the city. Gary McMahon from the Island Project says the programme has a number of inspirations. I suppose it's a double entendre, maybe it's a triple entendre. We're in the wake of the salmon and we're waking the salmon, a bit like Finnegan's Wake. Uh, we're waking the loss of the salmon. And the third thing is we're, we're coming away to this change. And so we're creating an awareness of awakening people to the salmon and the relationship fishing communities here in Limerick and all over Ireland have had to salmon for hundreds and thousands of years. Joy, I guess, is, is, would be a very good outcome. And for communities to essentially embrace a living tradition. This is a living culture and we don't want to get too nostalgic and bemoan the loss of skills and crafts. But certainly keep, keep, keep them alive to a certain extent and enjoy them. To find a new, um, repurpose them perhaps, or reimagine them. Salmon's Wake will hold an evening to celebrate the participation from all segments of the community on Thursday the 9th of May at Watch House Cross Library at 6.30pm. You can find out more at the Island Project's website, island.ie. Minister for Marine Michael Creed has discontinued a licence held by Norwegian multinational Moe for a fish farm in County Kerry. A breach of licence conditions at a smalt hatchery run by the Norwegian Aquaculture Company's Irish division in Donegal has also been identified by Mr Creed's department. 
A third investigation by his department found no provable breach of licence conditions at a salmon and rainbow trout farm run by the same company in Cooler Bay, County Cork. Mr Creed's decision to discontinue a fish farm licence for the first time was taken under the Fisheries Amendment Act 1997, which permits him to revoke or amend a licence if he considers it in the public interest or if he is satisfied of a breach of conditions. A humpback whale was entangled in fishing rope for weeks, if not months, before it drowned off the coast of East Lothian, a post-mortem examination has found. The young male, which was about nine metres long, was found at John Muir County Park near Tunningham. Experts said the marine mammal had become very weak and had the most parasites they had ever seen. The whale was towed out to sea and moved to another beach for the five-hour necropsy before East Lothian Council removed the whale for incineration. The International Council for the Exploration of the Sea has admitted that methods used in its assessment of the Northeast Atlantic mackerel stock for last year were flawed. Apparently, due to issues with the tagging data, the stock that had been estimated at 2.3 million tonnes is nearly double that, at 4.16 million tonnes. This big error has been admitted as being discovered by a rigorous scientific reassessment. Finally, an animal that looks like a mix between a rhino and a sea otter, with a narrow head, a long muscular tail, and four stocky legs with hoofed toes and webbed feet. A new study published this week suggests that it is more or less what the walking, swimming ancestors of modern-day whales looked like about 43 million years ago. Researchers unearthed the well-preserved bones of an ancient four-legged whale on the coast of Peru and detailed their findings in a paper published in the journal Current Biology. Justin Marr reporting, and as we always say on this programme, there's always something unusual in and about the sea. Modern technology, to which we referred earlier, can overcome many communication problems, of course, such as for the offshore island communities. As Rhoda Twombly, Secretary of the Islands Federation, Kogali Lawna-Heron, now reports about broadband being brought to Aranmore Island off Donegal. Connectivity is all important in these days of working towards sustainability and indeed survival, especially for those of us living in rural Ireland and particularly for islanders. I like to consider the importance of human connectivity as well, of reaching out, of mehel, of supporting and building our island communities and all that grows and live in them. Provision of realistic broadband is an ongoing problem for our islands, so it's exciting that the mobile provider 3 seems to have solved the problem for Aaron Moore Island. This didn't happen overnight. Several islanders have been researching broadband systems for quite some time to find the solution. Three's business team, working with Aaron Moore's business council, has created one of the most connected places on earth with connections to the secondary school, medical center, the co-op ferry office, as well as digital hub with 13 workstations, some already in use. This development will have an effect on many aspects of island life. Already, the government e-hub learning initiative for secondary Gaeltacht schools has been launched. This will enable Gaeltacht schools, including island schools, to broaden the range of courses taught through Irish. Aaron Moore and other island students will be able to add physics to their course load, and this will extend to curriculum for science, maths, technology, and engineering. Aaron Moore's craft workers 
I've also launched a website, www.madeinarrandmore.com, to promote and sell their products. The Business Council is now looking into working with Grow Remote, a group that promotes and supports working remotely to support communities, to see how they can use their new connectivity to benefit the lives of all on the island. So while Aaron Moore is now digitally collected, this will lead to people connecting with each other to grow their businesses and communities. It's early in the season, but there's plenty happening on the islands. Several islands have joined in to support Pieta House with their own Darkness into Light walks on the 11th of May. Inish Turk, who is hosting a walk for the first time, Inish Boffin and Clare Island are three examples. The walks start at 4.15 a.m., and you should check the individual websites for details. You could couple this, pardon the pun, with the Singles Adventure Weekend on Clare Island, taking place from the 10th to the 12th of May. Don't get the wrong idea, this isn't a matchmaking festival. Rather a weekend full of adventure activities, music, local food, and just good fun. So see www.clareisland.ie. Inishpofen holds two events the weekend of May 3rd through 5th. The Community Centre will hold the Island Craft Expo 2019 with craft dolls, exhibitions, talks, competitions, and demonstrations of craft making. A hopping weekend on Boffin, who hosts the first Irish Corn Crake Festival. You can see and hear this elusive endangered bird and learn about their habits and ecology. Go to www.inishboffin.com for more info. As always, please check individual island websites and Facebook pages for more activities and news. Until next time, it's Slawn from the Islands. And Rhoda Twombly reporting. Next to the inshore and inland waters and the angling world on the rivers, lakes and estuaries of Ireland. Hello to all the anglers listening in. Miles Kelly from Inland Fisheries Ireland here again to give a quick roundup of the news from the world of fishing. The Scarveen is well and truly upon us as warm spells have been quickly followed by cooler, wetter weather with winds blowing in turn from all points of the compass. Just consider the change we saw between Easter weekend and the conditions that accompanied Storm Hannah. The Scarveen is an Irish weather phenomenon that comes from the phrase Garve me It translates as the rough month of the cuckoo and refers to the last two weeks of April and the first two weeks of May when the familiar call of the cuckoo returns to the Irish countryside. These few weeks are often rampant with changeable extremes of weather. On the face of it, you'd think the awful conditions might ruin the chances of young crops or the delicate flowers, but the scarveen is actually nature's way of ensuring their success. Initial unseasonable warm weather enables seeds to germinate, and then a sudden cold snap would serve to harden off the young plants. For the trees, grasses and other plants that can't rely on bees, the howling gales which followed would distribute pollen far and wide. I wonder does the strange mix of weather work to the advantage of hatching flies or the trout chasing them? It certainly doesn't make things easier for the angler. In any case, the Scarveen's warm spell had many anglers on the water over the Easter weekend. There were large hauls of bream on Aniscara and Cork, while Loch Mokno fished consistently in the northeast. In the Midlands, the sudden increase in temperatures in the shallow canals helped stir the tench from their winter slumber, and there were some great catches in the All-Ireland Canal Championships on the Grand Canal at Prosperous. Trout fishing on the locks has been patchy, but now the end of the in-between time is in sight. Duck fly is done, the early olive fishing is underway, and trout anglers are looking to the mayfly, where it's hatching, what conditions are like, and is there any sign of spent fishing yet. 
There were reports of some salmon in the southwest. The island and the Bandon produced small numbers of fish when conditions allowed, but low water on the Lown and high water on the Blackwater made fish hard to come by. Coran also has had a quiet time, but there was a highlight worth noting. Their first decent sea trout of 2019 on the fly, a fish at £3 or more. In the west, there have been a few salmon from the Connemara fisheries, while over in Mayo during the Easter break, dropping water levels and much wilder weather, combined to see a considerable increase in angling effort on the river. This resulted in 74 salmon reported caught throughout the system. The National Salmon Scale project is well underway now, and any angler who buys a salmon licence this year will receive envelopes for sending scales to researchers running the project. If you didn't receive your envelopes earlier this year and want to get involved, you can find out more at fisheriesireland.ie slash salmonscales. Pike fishing has been good by all accounts. Loch Gauna and Upper Urn Anglers Association had a great day out with their juniors, 24 eager anglers all catching fish. Over in Longford, Melview Fishing Lodge has hosted anglers from as far apart as Austria to Australia and a few Kilkenny men were thrown in for good measure. Needless to say, everybody caught pike, although no monsters were encountered. Offshore, the mild, warm conditions ahead of Storm Hannah gave an opportunity for more charter boat skippers to take to the waves for the first time in 2019. The Claire de Groom was one boat to wet her hull over the weekend, and plenty of pollock and coalfish along with a handful of mackerel came aboard. Further north, skippers in Sligo had good numbers of mackerel, and on dry land, Shore anglers are reporting the first rays of 2019 from some marks and the return of schooly bass to a number of their favourite haunts. Inland Fisheries Ireland has funding available for fisheries conservation and development projects nationwide through the National Strategy for Angling Development. Applications are invited from angling clubs, local development associations, tidy towns and others who may be looking to carry out projects. To help interested parties with applications, there is a series of workshops taking place across the country in the first half of May. Staff from Inland Fisheries Ireland will outline the various funding schemes and provide guidance around how to submit an expression of interest for funding. Visit fisheriesireland.ie slash funding for more information. Well, that's all for me from this week. Safe fishing for all, and don't forget, CPR saves fish. Miles Kelly ending this edition of the Maritime Programme This Island Nation on community radio stations around Ireland. Produced at CRY 104FM Yole on the East Cork coastline with technical supervision by Justin Marr and broadcast in Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South on Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio in Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM, Clare on Radio Cork of Boschkeen, Limerick on West Limerick 102 and on Cork City Community Radio Podcasts on iTunes, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify and marinetimes.ie and a special edition for the visually impaired with the National Council for the Blind. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community on Community Radio and you can contact the programme on email to thisislandnation at gmail.com or by phone or text to 0872 That's email, thisislandnation at gmail.com phone or text 0872 and the Silent Nation Weekly Blog is on the Facebook page every weekend. And until our next program from me, Tom McSweeney, the usual wish of fair sailing. <laughs> <laughs>